Hello again, everybody. It's episode 217 of Patriots Beat on the CLNS Media Network, www.clnsmedia.com. Follow us on Twitter, at CLNS Media, and Facebook at facebook.com slash CLNS Media. And, of course, follow me, Mike Petralia, at TRAGS, T-R-A-G-S. I'm joined here in episode 217 by a longtime friend, colleague, compatriot, however you want to describe yourself, Mike Giardi. I've known you quite a while uh, around the Patriots beat and other beats like the uh, Bruins and Red Sox and whatnot, but primarily uh, we have gotten to know each other uh, covering the New England Patriots, and uh, certainly it's been a wild ride uh, over the last 10 to 15 years. Um, But uh, I want to start by introducing you and Get your impression on uh, what it's been like covering the Patriots uh, over your time here in New England. Well, I mean, certainly uh, I was fortunate enough to come in on the last year of the um, Pete Carroll era, and then that one year of Belichick where it wasn't so good, and then Super Bowl or AFC Championship year after year after year after year. So I would say that I, uh, I came home at the right time. I would agree with you. I would not disagree. I disagree <laughs> with you on a lot of things, uh, Mike, yeah. over the years. But uh, um, certainly uh, with regard to that, I would not disagree with you whatsoever. Um, I got to ask you, first of all, so when I first met you, I and I'm sure I'm not the only person to do this, how many Joe Girardi jokes did you get? A million. Yep. And now I still get the Girardi thing. I also get the Joe Amrosino channel seven i get that a lot apparently all us italian guys we look alike mike i don't know yeah we do (laughs) (laughs) um but uh, yeah i i always uh caught myself trying to correct uh get your last name correct kind of like uh people butcher my last name all the time which is not surprising Uh, yeah Um, no i mean that's just that's our curse yeah it's gonna curse it sort of is um so going to get right to it. When did your man crush on Jimmy Garoppolo begin? All right. So look, this is the backstory for all those people that don't pay attention to this. That's why we have this award winning podcast to give you the backstory. Go ahead. You get, you get to the, you get to the real nitty gritty. So before that draft and into that off season, little birdie whispered to me, thinking about going quarterback. So I said, hmm, quarterback, all right. So we're looking at that draft, and it's Teddy Bridgewater, and it's Johnny Manziel. And, I, you know, you can remember him now, Zach Mettenberger. Yep. Um, there was that collection of quarterbacks, Derek Carr. They were all, you know, sort of in that pot. And, you know, no one really knew who was going to emerge. Manziel, obviously, phenomenal college talent, but all that stuff that carried on in the NFL, was there were rumblings about it during his college time. Carr played at Fresno State. Uh, Mettenberger had to transfer, so there were some things about his background that no one liked. And Bridgewater uh, had a just horrific pro day, and it threw everybody off. So I started looking at the quarterbacks, and I started, you know, asking people around, people around the league, um, you know, draft guys, uh, and some people in the Patriots organization, and kept kind of pushing me back towards Garoppolo. So I studied more Garoppolo, and look, I just liked his game. And I started looking at the other guys and I said, look, you know, Manziel is going to bring this whole circus show with him. Um, 
you know, Mettenberger with the kind of baggage that he has. Everybody who talked about Garoppolo was like, this kid is just a great kid. He puts in the work. He puts in the time. He wants to be great. And I'm watching the tape, and I said, this guy has the potential to be great. So that's where it sort of just kind of started. And when they drafted him, I'd kind of zeroed in on him. And people were like, oh, they wasted their pick, second-round pick. This is a Super Bowl team, a Super Bowl winning team now. What are they doing? Well, come to find out, Drags, that that draft pick is one of the most important draft picks that Bill Belichick has ever made, and I don't want to have anybody tell me otherwise. Not because of what Garoppolo's been able to do on the field, which is to say not that much, obviously, because the kid in front of him, that 40-year-old Tom Brady, uh, is playing at an elite level. But there were some signs of decline in Brady. Not dramatic, but there were signs. And they've been going on for two or three years. And I think that's part of the reason why the Patriots uh, went in that direction. And I think that Garoppolo's mere presence, and for the first time, I think, during the entire Brady era post-Bledsoe, he felt legitimately threatened that he cranked it up to a different level. And maybe it's, you know, hey, maybe it's a 5% more commitment. Maybe it's 8, maybe it's 12, maybe it's, I don't know what it is. But you you can clearly draw the uh, Brady starting to slide just a little bit into the revitalization with Picker Garoppolo. So fast forward to September 29th, 2014, <laughs> and you obviously know where I'm going with this. Yes, 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 yes. 41-14, uh, they get their doors blown off. There's no question about it. Tom was throwing up passes that it, it almost looked like he was begging to get picked off, obviously. You know, that's hyperbole. Mm-hmm. But he was just throwing the ball around uh, Arrowhead Stadium. And uh, there was an intrepid reporter after the game who asked, <laughs> is the quarterback position up for evaluation, Bill? And that intrepid reporter is speaking with me right now. So take us back to that night, that question, how it came about, what you were thinking of, you know, leading into that uh, and all the circumstances. Yeah. So, so, you know, I'm sitting next to my colleague, Tom Curran, um, and we're, you know, the first couple of weeks I was like, Hey, he's not playing that great. And look, I'm not putting it all on him. The offensive line was in shambles. Let's remember Marcus Cannon was playing left guard and Jordan Debbie was playing right guard. Um, that they had some issues there. And I, I thought he started to, there was some frustration creeping in. I thought he was obviously, and we've seen it from time to time when he starts to get a little squirrely in the pocket, he was seeing some ghosts. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was after the, uh, after the third game, where I started Curran kind of was like, eh, you know, things don't look right. And we were never pointing the finger directly at Brady because, we looked at the offensive line and said, that's where it's got to start. Then after the Kansas City game, or, you know, as the Kansas City game wore down, we're sitting next to each other, and he's like, you know, my timeline has just exploded with people about the quarterback situation and the, the offensive line. And I'm like, mine too. Like, you know, it's probably time to ask a question. So we sort of we were walking to, towards the elevator with about five minutes left because we got post-game responsibilities, so we got to be on the field right away. Sure. And we're just kind of talking, and I just, you know, I'm like, look, he always talks about how you're evaluating every position every week. I mean, in, in, in true Belichick speak, every day, essentially. So why don't I just ask him if he's going to – if he's evaluating or reevaluating the quarterback position and – you know, Tom and I kind of batted around for a little bit. And I was like, look, your relationship with Bill is better than my relationship with Bill. I'm not really worried about burning any bridges. Who knows how he's going to take it. And then we sort of 
okay, we're going to do this, and, you know, we'll play good cop, bad cop, and then as we're going down the elevator, so what do you think his response is going to be? And there were there were three choices. He was going to say, yeah, we evaluate the position like we evaluate any other position, which would have been a huge answer, because that would have meant, yes, we're, everything is open, or he's going to berate me, like you're an idiot, you don't know what you're looking at, or you're going to get the standard Belichick stare, scoff, whatever the hell that was, chuckle. I, I, think I it's have an what expression, it Mike. To I, I've, I've yeah. told you this before. You know what I call that, right? That Belichick uh, scoff, it's called passive yeah. dismissive. That's what that was. <laughs> that, that is exactly what it was. But so that in and of itself was, we were just looking for an answer. And I think we felt like the answer was, look, it's the guys in front of them right now who are just a disaster. And the quarterback is 37 years old or whatever. And, you know, he's a little bit squirrely about what's going on around him. And I think that's kind of the direction we felt it was going to go. But you just, you know, we, we've said this a million times, and I know, you know there are people out there that don't want to hear it, or we're just trying to do our job. And sometimes you have to ask the question, even if you kind of have an idea what the answer is going to be, you got to ask it. You got to get them on record. And oh, God knows we got them on record. So that's that's sort of uh, where it went. And then you had on to Cincinnati, and as they say, the rest is history. Two Super Bowls in three years, and uh, uh, you know, uh, it's a team that we talked about potentially being a ta- team that could run the table this year. So, uh, directly or indirectly, you know what I've always wondered, Mike? Have you ever heard yes, from you. Tom, you ever heard from Tom, or has has anybody in the Brady camp ever gotten the message to you of what your comments and your thoughts about Jimmy G with Tom right there? You know, still uh, in the prominent position, the most prominent position in the Patriots organization, at least on the field. You, you ever heard from Tom? I never heard from Tom. I heard from the, the Patriot side, side of things. And the Patriot side of things um, weren't all that disappointed with the question. So, um, you know, there was no – I didn't have any knowledge of how they felt of, about – in terms of, you know, that and what, it, what they were able to turn that into. And obviously you've seen the, you know, do your job one and, and all the different stuff where that constantly gets referred. And I'm not – look, I'm not trying to take credit for any of that stuff. I just – I'm saying, like, they didn't – I never had a problem with Bill after that. You know, I've never had a problem with no. Bill after that. I mean, look, sometimes he doesn't want my questions or doesn't like my questions, but that makes me no different than anyone else. I, I don't – you know, I think <laughs> uh, it became a little bit of a rallying cry for them, and um, I don't get a Super Bowl ring for it, nor do I want one. I was just doing my job. And um, but like I said, the Patriots, they didn't really – the organizational side didn't mind that all that much. This episode is sponsored by Greats, makers of the all-time Greats, classic, stylish, and comfortable sneakers sold at a great price. Greats is Brooklyn's first sneaker company. They sell all the Greats, classic styles, made the best for less. Wide selection of men's and women's shoes. There's also versatile styles suitable for any occasion. Tons of different colors and materials to choose from. And their best sellers include the all-leather Royal Lace-Up and Worcester Slip-Ons. I have a pair of Royal Lace-Ups. Love them. Swear by them. Wear them both in formal occasions, at work, from outside, raking the yard. I love 
My Greats Royal Lace-Ups. You can check those out along with lots of other great styles at greats.com. And we've got a special deal for our audience. Save 15% on your first order with our offer code TRAGS. Go to greats.com, that's G-R-E-A-T-S dot com, and be sure to enter T-R-A-G-S to save 15% at checkout. Greats also believe so much in their shoes, they offer a no-risk return and exchange policy guaranteeing that you get the right fit in a style you love. That's greats.com. Use our offer code TRAGS and save 15%. We thank Greats for sponsoring the podcast, which continues right now with Mike Giardi of NBC Sports Boston and NBC Sports boston.com boy that's a mouthful but i still i think i like it better mike you, wait, wait a minute you just you read that like a true professional i sometimes pretend like to i mean that was just i mean you sounded like yeah that was like that was that was like i'm auditioning <laughs> i <laughs> i didn't say that track i'm just saying you know that just no. sounded like that was a, i was a pro right there i was I, a pro's pro i appreciate and now that. i'm gonna have to go on the site and and, and use the promo code tracks Get myself some kicks. I'm telling you, you would love the kicks. And I'm not just saying that because Greats is a terrific sponsor of this Patriots Beat podcast, but I'm saying I really love the shoes. Um, you know what I love today in the Tuesday conference call? The Mike yeah. Giardi um, questioning of Bill Belichick about the personality and character of these 2017 New England Patriots. I knew where you were going with this. But I want you to tell the people listening now who were not on that conference call, you, you took one, then two tries, and then at the very end of the Belichick section of the uh, conference call, you went back again, and I got to give you credit, you got a sensational answer from Bill Belichick, uh, giving kind of the co-op uh approach towards the New England Patriots that uh, Bill Belichick has. What do I mean by that? I mean, in his answer to your question about team chemistry and team makeup and morale, he said, it's not just one person's team. We all have a piece of this team. What was your take from that answer? And I guess, what were you trying to get at with Bill? Yeah, you know, it was it was uh, it was funny. Kind of, uh, you know, I did the drive to uh, to Jersey with Mike Reese. Uh, of ESPN on Saturday, and then we did the drive back after the game around eight o'clock at night on Sunday, and we were just sort of talking. And I think the one thing, you know, we, we obviously we spent the entire preseason like this roster is ridiculous. This might be the best roster they've ever had. There's all the kinds of discussions about about running the table, you know, regular season nineteen and all, all these sorts of things. Can this team do what the team in 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 two thousand now I'm forgetting two thousand seven two thousand eight came within whiskers of doing and then obviously we've seen you you lose the opener so right away that gets squashed and then you lose again to carolina and five of the six games have been ridiculously competitive and we're talking my feeling was like if i underestimated anything about this offseason when you look at the player for player moves or you look at the we're bringing this guy in to 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 as an addition to what we already have assembled, a team that won a Super Bowl, you said, "Oh my God!" You know, they brought in Brandon Cooks and they and they brought in Dwayne Allen and they Stephon Gilmore. It's the prime of his career, and now you have Gilmore and Butler. I think we underestimated a couple things, or at least I feel like I underestimated a couple things. And one is the, I, I guess, the personalities of the bodies that left 
And you know, Chris Long didn't have a great year by the stats last year, but the professionalism and asking him to do stuff that he didn't want to do, which is in part why they agreed to part ways and, and he went to Philadelphia because he wanted to get after the passer a little bit more and not play inside as much, but he did it for the betterment of the team. Um, you have someone like Logan Ryan who went through the, the, the roller coaster of emotions with this Patriot team, you know, uh, think back to the to 2014, 15 season, of the Super Bowl, where he's getting torched in the first half and cushioned and gives up the touchdown. And, you know, Belichick tends to remember these things and you know, they trade for Eric Rowe and even his playing time last year during yet another Super Bowl winning team was sort of up and down for a little while until he reestablished himself. But there's sort of a mental toughness to that. Um, to, to that player that you, you don't necessarily think, well, you know, player for player, Gilmore is a better player than Logan Ryan, right? I mean, this is right. a guy I mean, a first round pedigree. I don't think anybody would disagree with that, right? Yeah, I mean, just absolutely insane in that regard. But then you start talking about, well, okay, what did Logan Ryan, how did Logan Ryan fit with the collection of players? Well, you know, Rutgers got Harmon, McCourty, they loved each other. Butler, who established himself as the number one corner, wasn't worried about Logan Ryan taking his money or being the guy that became the number one corner. And all of a sudden now I'm the number two and maybe my money's going to go somewhere else, which it turned out it did. None of this stuff happened. Even a guy like LeGarrette Blunt, and we, we talk about the running back position. You could fill anybody in there anytime, what have you. Um, you know the energy that he brought, not just on the field when he was running people over, which he did quite a bit last year, you know, almost 1,200 yards, 18 touchdowns, but also the, the, as you sat in the locker room tracks for all those, all those different days, Monday, Wednesday, Thursdays, Fridays, a little personality. And I think replacing those guys player for player, for player, for player you thought you're, well, we've upgraded talent here, but you, you lost some of your personality and some of that DNA and some of the energy that you got on the field and off the field, and I think right now they're struggling to find that, and I think that's in part because they did change the DNA of the team, not dramatically, but enough in enough spots that they're – Martel Bennett's another one. So they're I'll, trying to find guys like that. I've got a slightly different read on that, Mike, and that is it, it's not so much – the personalities are different. It's the familiarity. I mean, certainly the personality, like you mentioned, Logan Ryan and Deron Harmon and Devin McCourty, all Rutgers guys. I think that story has been well documented. But those two, meaning the safeties, uh, McCourty and Harmon, knew that Logan Ryan knew where to be when a specific defense was going to be called. Obviously, that has not happened with Stephon Gilmore. And that is where, you know, if you ask Bill Belichick, you know, does the chemistry matter or does the performance on the field matter more? Well, he's going to say the performance on the field matters more. And I think that, that, you know, we heard so much about communication in the first quarter of the season. That's where I think the biggest drop-off's been. Uh, well, I mean, look, you can't argue when we see guys running free and even we saw it this past weekend against the Jets, you're saying to yourself, what the hell is happening? Like you start looking at the, at the roster and, you know, obviously we targeted Gilmore early on because he was really the only guy that changed from the secondary group. Well, he was the only guy that changed from the secondary group last year. Um, so you sort of point that, and then you bat a Mosey gets thrown into the, to the fire late. 
according to everybody, you know, nobody knew that Gilmore was going to be out until Saturday. That you know that that again would add to a, a, an element of he's a special teams guy who just happens to be Gilmore's backup, but hadn't gotten. I mean, I don't even remember seeing him play corner in the preseason. I'm sure he did, but I don't remember it. Um, and now all of a sudden he's playing 73 snaps on defense uh, at MetLife Stadium. So th- there is definitely a part of that. But I, I, I do think that the, every room, ha- you know, Bill talks about the teams having and players having to reestablish their roles. I think the room hasn't felt the same way. And I think, you know, Bill's point today was, well, look, if we're 6-0, and if we win our first six games, your reaction with the players, the players' mood, all that stuff might be different. Agreed. But but some of that comes connected. You know, if the players are feeling better about what's around them, then maybe the energy is different and maybe you don't go into the tank in the fourth quarter against Kansas City. Um, you know, maybe you embrace the guy next to you a little bit more when he's struggling instead of, you know, as we got after the Carolina game, a little bit of, you know, we can't make it any more simpler than we we're making it according to Deron Harmon. Well, then who the hell are you talking about if you're not talking about Stefan Gilmore, right? I mean, are you, are you talking about Malcolm? Like, he's been here. Are you talking about McCordy? Nah, he's been here. Even Jonathan Jones has been here, at least for a full season, and now working on his second year. So I, I do think you're right, and I think there's a part of it where that part of the room is different, and I don't know that they've established that yet, and I think that's something that has to be watched as they go forward. How do, how do the guys interact with each other? How do they feel about each other? And and where does this go? Well, I don't think it's gotten that much better. Uh, even last week, uh, Mike, if you take a look at two plays that stuck out to me. First of all, the first series of the Jets after the controversial overturned touchdown, the Patriots went three and out. And on that very next series, Josh McCown throws to a wide-open receiver down the right sideline in an incredibly a bad example of a blown coverage, which was, you know, a throwback to the, of course, the Carolina Panthers game. And the second pass was, and this, I didn't see this until social media well after the game, on the final pass that Josh McCown threw, it was fourth and 17. Oh and threw Tavares it at, Cadet. Yep, Tavares Cadet was flying <laughs> wide open, 10 yards yeah. with no Patriot defender around him, and McCown just airballs, airmails the throw down the field and falls incomplete. Patriots get the ball, run out the clock. But those two instances, to me, if I'm Belichick, I'm like, oh my God, is nobody paying attention to what our defensive assignment should be in the secondary? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't get it. I mean, I was highlighting some things in my Twitter feed this morning as I was watching the, the game over again from the, from the coach's film perspective, um, and some of the reactions to plays. I mean, look at the, yeah, the touchdown from Austin Tafari and Jenkins, the, 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 the one that counted. Uh, what, what was Atlanta Roberts doing? He blew off all his keys. He goes flying up the field on the one yard line like he's going to make some big stick. McCown does a half-ass play fake. It wasn't even really a play fake. And, oh, crap, you know? <laughs> Safarian Jenkins is seven yards behind me, and, you know, there, there's nothing you can do about that. The, the third play of the game, Malcolm Butler gets – Robbie Anderson doesn't even make a move to the post. And I, clearly, Butler thought someone was underneath him, but even his reaction to this half-ass move was excessive. He, like, turned his back. You're like, well, you would never – like. Who teaches you that? You would never do that. Like you would do that if you're in chase position, and Deshaun Jackson, as he did the week before, is running by you, and you're in a panic mode. You got to catch this guy. Like I just, it makes no sense. And I think 
that guys like Belichick and Patricia, who, in, you know, discipline is so important, uh, they got to be saying to themselves, what the hell do we have to do to reach you guys to get you to play it the way it's supposed to be played? Not even, like, we're not even asking extra, you know, extraordinary effort from you. We're just asking you to play it the way it's taught, and you're not even doing that. Hey, fantasy football fans, listen up. If you love fantasy football, then you need to try my new favorite app, Draft. It's weekly fantasy football, but not like the other guys. On Draft, you play real-life snake drafts with other people, just like in your season-long league. And here's how it works. It's a draft that lasts for just one week, and there's no management. Just set it and forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. Draft even takes care of last-minute injuries for you. Drafts start every couple of minutes, so you can join one right now. And the best part, play for cold, hard cash. Drafts start from just $1, so there's a draft for everyone. There's no salary caps. Play in a real-life snake draft, just like you play with your friends in a season-long league. Come and join me on Draft today. Download the app at any time. Just search Draft in your app store and uh, join a game in minutes or play right from your computer on playdraft.com, whichever way you want. For a limited time only, all new players get a free entry into into Draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use my promo code PATSBEAT. That's right, play a real money game for free just for using my promo code PATSBEAT on your first deposit on Draft. Just search Draft in the App Store or go to playdraft.com and play for free with the promo code PATSBEAT. Speaking with Mike Giardi of NBC Sports Boston and NBCSportsBoston.com. Uh, Mike, I'm going to continue with the point you were making uh, before the break, and that was uh, what does this team have to do? Let's fast forward to Sunday night. It's the game everybody's been waiting for, circled on the calendar, all of that stuff, all that garbage. And, and it comes down to... The Patriots, I think, and I wrote this today in my column for CLNS Media, just because the Patriots came back and executed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history doesn't mean Matt Patricia hasn't forgotten what the Patriot, what the Falcons' de- offense did to the Patriots' defense before Tevin Coleman got hurt. What are your thoughts on what this struggling Patriots' defense has to do to give itself a prayer of competing Sunday night? Yeah, I mean, look, both teams are. It's it, it's not it's not carried over the way you would have liked uh, for the Patriots from last season. And you know, we know, like we just talked about the changing the, the the team and some of the personnel and the DNA. And Belichick loves to remind us that you, know, you can't judge this. This is a full season process. But now you're looking at Atlanta, who's coming off some bad losses, including blowing a 17 point lead against uh, previously a net uh, Dolphins team. So. I think both teams have got to be pretty highly motivated. One for the Patriots to show everybody that, hey, we're okay here. We're, we're figuring this out. And for Atlanta, look, this is a big stage for us. We just crapped the bet against Miami. We got, we got to fix this and fix this fast. Um, you know, look, Sanu has been, been hampered and been out. Um, they struggle running the football. If I'm, if I'm, but if I'm, uh, Sarkeesian, who's the new uh, offensive coordinator, the former uh, Alabama OC and, uh, back on the West Coast days at USC and I believe Washington State, I'm throwing the ball on every damn play. Until you show me that you can stop me, Matt Ryan, from throwing to Julio Jones and Austin Hooper and if Sanu's playing, Doug, whatever, whoever's out there, right. uh, Taylor Gabriel or whatever, like, I'm doing that because McCown threw for 354 against you and McCown can't hold Matt Ryan's jockstrap. So 
I'm going to put that out there and I'm just going to keep coming at you until you can, can actually stop me. And you can, you can force me to, you know, turn the ball over or, or, you know, throw a couple bad passes in a row and, and get me in a three and out situation because, um, I look, they haven't shown any real signs that they can stop it yet. So I don't know why you would even flirt with the idea of balance in this game. I'm chucking it until you stop me. Have you ever seen, well, actually, I know the answer to this question. Can you imagine that no NFL team has ever, in the history of the league, given up six straight games of 300 yards passing? Doesn't that kind of blow your mind, Mike? It's staggering. We talked about this in the, in the offseason. This could be the best cornerback duo they've ever right. had in New England. And now we're talking about they've given up 300 yards passing in six or more games. And this isn't the, oh, we're playing loosey-goosey like you were you know, up 10 against the Jets and you sort of let them have some completions. And this isn't last year where you're giving up yards and yards and yards late in games because teams are chasing you because you're up by two, three touchdowns. No, this is, these are games that have mattered. These are games that have been close. These are games that you had to fight to win for. In some cases you've lost and they haven't been able to stop it. It is truly, truly uh, probably the most surprising thing about all of it to me. Cause I really, I really believe the secondary is going to be legit. And I didn't think plugging Gilmore in was going to cause as many problems as it has. And certainly, I mean, it's sad. It's guys not playing at their level, but it's it's looked like crap, that's for sure. Who do you think comes out on top on Sunday night? I mean, I just, you're at home in a Sunday night setting. Um, you're pissed off about the way you played it again. Hmm. I just, I keep thinking to myself, and I'm probably like a lot of uh people that follow the pages over these years that eventually Bill's going to, and, and Maddie P are going to come up with something to, if not make it good, make it serviceable. Um, so, I mean, I, I just, I have a hard time picking against the Patriots at home uh, on a Sunday night game. Going to end on a, a light note, Mike, is Jimmy Garoppolo comfortable with your man crush with him? I, I think he is. I think he is. I believe uh, it was at the Super Bowl last year that he uh, uttered to, other people, not just me, in, in in his presence, that I was better looking than he is. So maybe the the, oh the main is neutral. Oh yeah, my well, I good mean, loving it, God, seriously, it could it could have been the best day of my life. I'm I, I will neither confirm nor deny. So I have a Jimmy Garoppolo story for you. Shoot, at the Super Bowl, I was at. Um, he told you that I was better looking than he was too. That's just crazy. No, he, he did not <laughs> tell me that, Mike. Uh, I was at one of the. Uh, I was at a retail shop. In um, the Galleria, right? That's the the big shopping mall yeah, yeah, down yeah, in Houston. Yeah. So I was just doing some uh, clothes shopping for me and the wife, and um, uh, trying to get some souvenirs for the kids and whatnot. And I'm in this store, uh, looking at some nice, cool, hip jeans. I turn around, and who is it but a smiling Jimmy G? And he goes, "Hey, what's up?" And uh, I said. <laughs> You getting some clothing shopping done, huh, Jimmy? You're 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 ready for the game? He says, "All set," with that smile. <laughs> and when he flashed that smile, I did not say it, but I did think, "Boy, Mike, if only Mike Giardi were here, and if only, <laughs> oh, if only I could give him this simple pleasure." I'm just sorry uh, I couldn't, Mike. You, you know, just quickly because I know we're, we've run out of time here, but. The, the the people in there, as you well know, the people in the Patriots PR staff, they appreciate um, good people, people that are easy to work with. And to a man, when all those rumors came up during the course of last year, and especially, obviously, during the offseason, 
they're like, it's going to suck if we lose them. They just love them. They just love them so much. So look, I'm not the only one. That's all I'm saying. I'm not the only one. Yeah. Oh, far from it. And, uh, you know, we can uh, have you back sometime to talk about, uh, whether or not it's going to be Tom or, or Jimmy down the road, I mean, certainly that is worth its own 45-minute podcast on its own, and we're not going to get into that now, but I'm pretty sure I know where you might fall in that regard. But uh, anyway, it, you've been a great guest, Mike. Thanks so much for joining us. Stay with CLNS all day on game day, starting with the CLNS Media New England Patriots pregame show with Alex Barth a half hour before every game. Then you can catch the postgame show with Marvin Ezon and Mike Molyneux live after every single game on clnsmedia.com. Subscribe to both on iTunes and Stitcher and now YouTube. Also get daily team updates on the Patriots Newsfeed podcast with Tyler Trudeau, which is also available on the CLNS Media New England Patriots post-game show feed, available again on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and the CLNS Media mobile app. Once again, I'd like to thank Mike Giardi of NBC Sports Boston. Hey, Mike, got a question for you. How can people follow you on social media? It is very simple on Twitter. It's at Mike Giardi. That's G-I-A-R-D-I. You can also find me on Facebook. Uh, my my work page is just the same thing with the backslash Mike Giardi. Uh, Instagram, I don't even know what it is anymore. We just had to change it because of the, the whole turnover from CSN to, to, to NBC Boston. So uh, you'll find me. I'll be there. Yeah, I mean, you can always do a search for NBC Sports Boston, and I'm certainly sure you can find Mike Giardi. You can also give us a follow at Patriots underscore Beat and at CLNS Media. You can also give my own personal account a follow, of course, at Trags, T-R-A-G-S. Today's sponsors were Greats.com and Draft. For Patriots content manager Michael Longhi, CLNS media executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of the network Nick Gelso, thanks to everyone who tuned in. This is Mike Petralia, and this is the Patriots Beat Podcast, powered by CLNS Media. What's going on, Pass Nation? This is Marvin Zahn of the CLNS Media Network, and I'm here to tell you right now to check out the CLNS Media New England Patriots postgame show hosted by myself and my co-host, Mr. Mike Nice. And live on CLNS Radio immediately after every single pass game, call in at 929-477-2386 toll-free to get your voice heard and contribute to the host breakdown and analysis of the latest Patriots contest. We also got the stars and sorries of the day, Twitter posts for the plays of the game, and everything else that is going on with the five-time Super Bowl champion. Subscribe to CLNS Media New England Patriots postgame show on iTunes and Stitcher. And the best way, download the free CLNS Media Network mobile app for on-demand listening anytime, anyplace, anywhere.